all the way from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, by way of Sacramento, California, this is Kings in the North Podcast. And now, the starting two for your listening pleasure. Standing six feet four inches tall at a Jesuit high school, the half-Greek freak, Nick Economy. And standing six feet tall out of McClatchy High School, Big Baller Ben. Kings of the North Podcast is sponsored by Cash Considerations. For donations, head up our Patreon. Welcome back to the Sat Kings of the North Podcast, where if you would have told me in 2018 that we would have had a three in one week and I'd be disappointed, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. So, uh, let's look back. Uh, start with uh, Orlando. Monday Monday night, we had Orlando Magic visiting the beautiful Golden One Center. Uh, it was kind of just no contest after that huge second quarter and a great defensive second quarter. Um, you know, leading the team was Willie. No, it wasn't Willie. It was De'Aaron Fox with 20 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, our fearless leader. And just a ton of guys putting in productive minutes. And leading the team in plus minus, which has been kind of a dark horse surprise for everybody here the last couple weeks. Justin Jackson with a plus 28. Yeah, like you said, um, last week we previewed the spectacular second years, and uh, De'Aaron came out and delivered for us with 20 points. Um, That was just one of the six players we had in double figures. Um, A huge game, well, not necessarily huge, but a very productive game from Willie Trill, who had uh, 11 points and 11 boards and a plus-minus of 10. Yeah, and this is all just in 18 minutes. I mean, showing that he could run the floor, put up stats on both ends, and get that double-double that we should start expecting out of him, especially if he's looking for that new contract. Yeah, I think uh, this season it's been kind of frustrating with Willie because one would think if you just ran north and south hoop-to-hoop, you could uh, come into 10 points and 10 rebounds, um, especially on this team that runs the floor so well and you know jacks up a lot of shots um, from deep as of late. And you know we've been haven't been struggling from three, but there's been a lot of shots that have been, you know, coming off the iron that we, we would like to see Willie gobble up. Um, this game, we shot a 29% from three, which, you know, not the best effort. That coupled with the 55% from the line was kind of the start of, like, what we had said earlier was this kind of underwhelming three-in-one week. Obviously, you know, we'll take the win any which way we can get it. But I think this game was particularly interesting uh, on a you know a multi on a spectrum of points, but it was the fact that we had led um, each quarter through the first three quarters, and then took the starters off, threw the bench unit in, and we kind of said have at it. What ended up happening was Orlando kind of made a run. We had to put the starters back in. I think that was kind of I don't know if that you know was an, a uh, an omen for the next game against the Suns, but who knows? Maybe if they could have gotten that f- full quarter of rest um, in the the next game against Phoenix, the uh, the second half wouldn't have been such a show. But we'll get into that um, in a little bit. Um, kind of looking at these this game's stats, uh, one thing that really stands out is the plus twenty eight 
off the bench from uh, Justin Jackson, kind of becoming that real key defensive guy off the bench. Um, you know, following in Shumpert's footsteps of being a guy that we can rely on to maybe not shut down an opposing three, but slow him down a little bit, hold him under 25, 20 points. Yeah, I think one thing we were talking about during this game was that it looks like that J.J. is in the point of his career where there's only going to be a couple dudes that are really going to torch him. Now, we're not saying, you know, he's first-team all-defense by any means, but like you said, he can do enough to kind of disrupt your um, offensive game. I think we didn't really get into it too much because we kind of just zoomed through the past two weeks, but in this uh, prior week, especially the game against Golden State, Justin Jackson has been shooting lights out from three. In this game against Orlando, he was shooting 50%, two for four. Um, and was, like you said, just a, a great spark off the bench. Someone who uh, Dave can call on to come in and drop, you know, double figures. Yeah, so he's he's really looking pretty good in in recent matches, matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, back to Willie Cauley-Stein. One of the things about rebounds, if, if you've paid attention at all and a lot of discussion around guys like Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook, not Russell Wilson, the football player. And the baseball player and the Yankees. Yeah, that's system. true. But Russell Westbrook and James Harden, the guys that are famous for getting these triple doubles, normally not... The stat patterns. Yeah, exactly. The cheaters. Yeah, Rondo as well. Um, in this era of three, th- the three-point ball... Rebounds go longer, so it is interesting that Willie isn't getting as many rebounds. But with the the high volume of threes that this team takes, it kind of makes sense. Um, well, let's let's continue to watch for it though, because I mean he should still be getting ten rebounds a game defensively. It it shouldn't be that hard to get yeah, ten it's not D-reds, like we're at, Yeah, it's not we're not asking him to get ten offensive boards. He's not you know we're not asking him to be. Tristan Thompson of old. Yeah. All we want is just, you know, 10 total boards. That, that's it's not too much to ask out of someone who is, you know, seven feet and has a couple face tattoos. So his livelihoods, depending on the fact that he can grab the ball, because he's not going to be able to do anything outside of basketball. He's got the painting to fall back yeah, on. Yeah, with the, you know, artistry. And kind of just to close out this Orlando game, it's worth mentioning that it was Bagley's first game back from that Hip injury or knee, knee, knee injury. Uh, so he, he seemed pretty productive. His impact was immediately noticed. Um, had a pretty good game overall. Yeah. So he was, you know, limited in, in twenty minutes, and the he, field goal percentage was not too high. He was only two for seven. Shot decent from the line. Four for six. Eight points. So eight points, six boards in twenty minutes. Pretty solid. Uh, had a plus minus of ten. Played some pretty solid defense, and this is, uh, yeah, like we said, this is his first game back. He actually wouldn't play. He wouldn't travel to Phoenix. We had a quick uh, quick one-game road trip that he wouldn't be a part of. So we'll get back to uh, the rookie as we uh, move on further in the week. But, like you said, um, on to Phoenix. Yeah, this is probably the most frustrating Kings game since 2002, since Bibby's nose broke Kobe's elbow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, 
Yeah, I, there's there's a, a whole lot you could dive into with this one. I was just gonna say that's just like such a fair statement because I'm still really pissed off um, that we blew this lead to the Suns. Um, you know, we came in uh, to this game at 500, mm-hmm. and this is really a game that kind of just looks terribly all around, and it kind of makes you know from a from a uh, eye test perspective, kind of just ruins our away record. Uh, plus minus. Yeah, this is it, such a winnable game. This is one of those games where a lot of Kings fans after were saying so much for playoffs because you lost to the worst team in the league, which is myself my, included. Yeah, it's a fair comment, but it's frustrating because it wasn't any one thing that led to the loss. Besides, it was a lot of things that added up, mainly the turnovers. I was just gonna say if there's if there's one thing, it'd be turnovers. But it was also, I mean, the lack of defense, the lack of rebounding. A bunch of little things that added up that came back to haunt us in the last, you know, 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, I think, let's start with the positives, I guess, which was the second quarter. Yeah, definitely. We outscored uh, Phoenix 40-18. to 18. You know, anytime you can hold a team under 20 points in a quarter, that's a plus. And anytime ourselves... that you can score over 40 in a quarter, that's a pretty big plus. That's true. Yeah. I think we set ourselves up for, you know, a nice little, you know, Apples and, uh, or oranges and Capri Sun as Dave, you know, gives us our little halftime talk. We're mm-hmm. up a bunch. And I don't know, maybe, maybe Dave needed the, to, uh, lay into the team a little more. I, I don't, I don't exactly know what the hell happened there. But I think, like we said, if we, if we want to start with any positives. I mean, another positive was Ben McLemore was extremely productive off the bench, which is the first time he's been productive in Ever. about... About five years let's just say, since his rookie year. Let's just say since college. So um, No, I was going to say the plus was De'Aaron Fox. That too. He had 24 points. He shot 3 for 4 from distance. Uh, shot over 50% from the field. And uh, over 75% from, from the stripe. The you know the only knock on him was uh, the turnovers. It was his career high. There was 8 turnovers, which you know we had... How many as a team? 25? Um, yeah, 25. So that's god awful. I think that, you know, not to lay into Phoenix any more than we have to, but we kind of have to. If there's any team that you can beat, maybe besides Cleveland with 20 plus turnovers, it's Phoenix. And I think, you know, there was, there was just a stretch where in the third quarter where it was about, I think it was four straight turnovers one was the classic De'Aaron Fox is in the air, no-look pass back to Buddy's nowhere to be found. Bogdan had, you know, not the greatest game. I was actually kind of pissed at him, you know, the whole game. Shot one for five from three, three from 11 from the field, and only had seven points in 30 minutes. I think I think the, the second night of the back-to-back really gets to him. This, for sure. There's also all these nagging injuries everyone wants mm-hmm. to talk about is his foot, his knee, all the stuff. He's one of those people, like, in the post-game interview later in the week, he says he likes to keep that to himself. Very, very professional answer from Bogey, but I think we needed more than seven points um, on 3-for-11 shooting to win this game. Uh, he, he also didn't get to the line at all, which was, he was actually in the starting lineup because Shumpert did not travel um, with the team either. So, Bogey was in the starting lineup, you're right, second night of a back-to-back, but he was the only starter that did not get to the free-throw line, 
Um, don't even get me started on Willie Colley signs three for eight from the yeah. stripe. But well, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to keep watch of is if Willie can't make free throws, he's unplayable in the last five minutes of games. Agreed. And it's it's really going to hurt him, not just not just the Kings here going forward, but it's going to hurt Willie if he's looking for that free agent big bucks this summer. Um, so I think he's going to – hopefully he'll work on it, but we'll, we'll see. All in all, this game was just extremely frustrating, especially because Phoenix didn't have Devin Booker, um, who, who has missed a string of games here and there. It pretty solid game out of someone I always love to hate on. Let's give him props, credit where credits due. DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know he's been on a tear lately. Seventeen points, twelve boards. Not like extremely effective, but for a rookie, you take that night in and night out. Oh yeah. The one person who. I don't know. It's always someone when uh, when it's when you know that terrible. Let's call them a terrible team uh, when they're playing the Kings. It's always like that random dude where you're just like, okay, you know, go off for twenty five, go off for thirty. Tonight it was Kelly Oubre. Not exactly random, but the fact that like this dude literally had his way with anyone the Kings put in front of him was very frustrating. Yeah, and he he was somebody that was basically discarded to the Suns for Trevor Ariza who didn't want to be there and now it looks like it's paying some pretty big dividends for the Suns team. Yeah. Who, he looks like he's going to fit in pretty well there. Yeah. I mean, he had 26 points and basically won them the game um, on the putback where I think Bogey had the four on five defense in his mind because he mm-hmm. was didn't really put a body on him and Watching it 6,000 times and crying in the shower, I've seen um, that really that should never have happened. Um, I think, yeah, the Suns, what, they have two, four, six, what, they had eight players in double figures? That shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And the fact we only put up 111 points, um, honestly, the Suns, they turned the ball over an insane amount. And I think... They had 20 turnovers. I think the most damning stat is that we had 39 points in the second half. Um, that that alone won't win you any games. And a lot of that came from sloppiness with the ball, turning the ball over. So let's, uh, let's put this game in the past. I think just like the team moved on to uh, Detroit at home, let's move on to Detroit at home. Okay, um, I'm completely fine with that. So, this was a uh, another win for the boys. Got kind of lucky in multiple facets, Detroit. Um, they were uh, coming off a back-to-back. They did not have Blake Griffin. Yeah, th- they came off of a loss to the Lakers. Yep. Um, they were coming in, you know, a couple games under 500, so they're not they're not looking too hot. Yeah, they started off really, really well under their new coach Dwayne Casey, but have really dropped off since that first month. Yeah, um, I think this was another game where we kind of, I wouldn't say we won it in the first half, but first half set the stage. I mean, we're up 34-21 after one, and uh, I think we had a ton. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, which matches the season high. Of players in double figures. Um, no one was, you know, complete standout. The, we were led by uh, Buddy Heald with 18. 
None of the starters played over 29 minutes. And I think this was just one of those games where they didn't have, you know, someone they could, the them being Detroit, didn't have someone they could go to in crunch time. Yeah, um, you can't really go to Drummond in crunch time because as soon as he goes to the line, he's such a, a, a liability. Here's a conspiracy because Detroit, they were leaving L.A. with the Lakers. They come with to Kurt sack. Russell. Yeah. They come to sack. Then they go back to L.A. for the Clippers. They let Blake stay in L.A. And who knows? Dude could have been out in Calabasas with Kendall. He's just trying to win her back. I think I think that's why he stayed. I, I think he told... Uh, I think he just probably owns a house there. Doesn't want to fly to Sac. That's true. Who does? Um, so I think that's... He didn't want to go to LAX. Yeah. Because again, who does? So that's... That's probably why let's let's chalk it up to unrequited love is the reason the Kings won uh, won this one. So we ended up winning this one by double figures. So we can add that to the growing list of double figure wins. Now that is ten. So if you flash forward to the end of the week, ten of twenty two wins are by double figures. Um, this is still very interesting. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because our point differential is still negative. We could probably chalk this up to a lot of those blowout losses, like the huge ones to the Pelicans. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it overall, these big wins show that that we're, we're trending in the right direction. If not a night-in, night-out thing, it's definitely still a common occurrence, being half of our wins. A couple uh, individual accomplishments to highlight. Uh, another solid game from Willie Trill. 14 points, 14 boards. Like we said, that, that was trending in the right direction this week. And shot over 50% from the line. Um, I will take it. This was one game where I was uh, very happy for the player and obviously, you know, the victory itself. But Harry Giles. Mm-hmm. Dude had, in 23 minutes, dude had 14 points. And I say a full stat stuffer. 14 points. Four rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks. Don't mind the five turnovers. But um, I think this was, you know, another one of those coming out games for Harry. Also shot four for four from the line, over 50% from the field. This would translate into another solid performance against Charlotte, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, The Kings as a team, again, a solid shooting performance, over 40%. From three as a team, over 75%, or exactly exactly at 75% from the line um, as a team. No one over 20 points, but a lot of people over 10. I think that's the recipe for success, along with the fact that we were playing you know, a team that was on the second night of a back-to-back without their best player. Um, we held them. I really wanted to hold them to under 100, you know, a couple late uh, late. Not necessarily garbage time, but late points uh, kept me from my dream there. Um, yeah, if if you don't have anything else to say, I think the last thing I would uh, like to say is the fact that we held uh, Andre Drummond to 11 boards, which is still solid, but for him, that's, I think, a little bit of a, an underachievement. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. Um, not just eleven rebounds, but only one offensive rebound, which is really where uh, where he you know 
that's makes where, his money. And that's where the Kings really struggle as defensive rebounding, boxing guys out. So I think that's a huge point that we can just give to the Kings on this one. They did really well this week on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I have to say for this one. Okay, so on to the final game of the week. This was a home game against the Charlotte Hornets. Like we said earlier, this was the Cardiac Kings against Cardiac Kemba. Um, and as uh, the Lord would have it, the Cardiac Kings came out on top. Uh, 104-97. This was a solid performance all around. I think this was a great game from the uh, the bogey front. Really got out of his shooting slump. Um, went 4 for 7 from distance, led the team with 22 points. We had 5 players in double figures. So the uh, the big 3, the Sack Kings big 3 really came through. Although Buddy was not looking too hot um, from a uh, field goal percentage perspective. He had a plus minus of uh, plus 9 recording 22 uh, sorry 21 points. So with uh, Bogey's 22, Buddy's 21, and De'Aaron's 21 points. Um, this really propelled the Kings to a solid, I think, second half win. We were down two at half. I remember, you know, texting the old uh, the old high school buddies um, saying, all we got to do is make open shots. We're down two at half, and, you know, the game's ours. And that's kind of what happened. Buddy started to, you know, drive, uh, get to the rim because the uh, three ball was not falling. He hit two early threes, and then I think there was a span where he missed seven in a row. And I was, I don't know, I was like kind of reverting back to the I hate Buddy Heald phase, but he, you know, snapped me right out of that with a solid stretch of fourth quarter play. Um, from a... Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein perspective, like we said, dude's been having a a pretty solid week that did not stop here. 12 points, 12 boards, 4 offensive rebounds, um, which was really solid. There was really no one that, you know, was kind of beating him up uh, as far as rebounds go. He's matched up against Bismack Biombo. That's former King draft pick. Although, I would... You know, I've almost rather had him because what ended up happening was that's how we got Jimmer. So, we all know how that went. Yeah, not good. Great for the fans in China. Yeah. Um, Great for the Shanghai Sharks. Yeah, so Bismack. I mean, he had 10 boards, but, you know, no one else um, on the Hornets had uh, double-digit rebounds, which, you know, not not too surprising. They don't got any big ballers on Frank the, Kaminsky didn't even play. That's what I was going to say. Other than him, they don't got any uh, big ballers on the glass. Um, a really solid game from Kemba. Um, n- not necessarily from three, but just from a points perspective. 31 points. Um, if you're looking at the Kemba-Fox matchup, they were talking about this. Uh, Kings legend Jerry Reynolds was talking about this before the game. You're looking at a uh, Eastern Conference all-star in Kemba Walker. How will Darren Fox, the budding Western Conference star, uh, how will they match up? And I think De'Aaron Fox really held his own. He was outscored, but, I mean, on every other facet of the game, let's see, he had uh, more rebounds, more assists, and a better plus-minus, and less turnovers. 
So, I think this, you know, chalk this one up to, uh, they really don't have anyone else besides Cardiac Kemba. And yeah, this is a, this brings up the question, is Kemba really, like, that valuable to a team? Or is he just a, a good stats, bad team guy? I think that, I've always been a Kemba Walker fan, I think that he is the former. I think he is a very solid player. I, there's some situations that can't be reconciled by one person. Um, yeah, but like if he goes to somewhere like L.A. where a lot of people speculate, playing alongside LeBron, doesn't have the ball in his hands as much, plays as a secondary facilitator more than a primary ball handler, primary scorer role, I, I feel like he, he's going to drop off a lot. I think I, th- I think you'll see something like Paul Pe- uh, Paul George last year, where he really struggled when he got to OKC originally. Um, but I think that'd be a more prolonged struggle, something kind of similar to Kevin Love when he got his uh, role reduced in Cleveland. So I think yeah, I, I think that's definitely a way it could go. I I don't necessarily see the opposite. I just think that Kemba is so good at eking out these drives to the hoop, creating, you know, the patented step back. I think any opportunity he has with the ball, the ball's going in the hoop. I think LeBron is completely fine with not necessarily deferring, but allowing other players to shine as well as get his. I think this is something I, I would love to see Kemba and LeBron play together on any other team besides the Lakers. That'd be super fun for the league, and you know, as a fan of as as a fan of King James, that'd be that'd be super interesting. I think the one thing back to this game, or to answer your question directly, I think Kemba on the Lakers in this quote unquote reduced role would it would be a Steph KD situation where either one of them can go off on any given night, first year. Steph is in the quote-unquote reduced role and the points go down. But now, you know, the dude's unstoppable. And I think it would lend itself more towards like that than anything else. Back to this game against uh, the Hornets, the Kings, Kings Hornets. This game put us over 500. That is, that is uh, just, the, the thing I really wanted to focus on is that Win 22, so we're now, at the time of this recording, 22 and 21, is just as sweet as win one. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that we really have to remember. We can be completely devastated when some nonsense occurs against the Warriors, or we let a game slip against the Suns, but the fact that we are 22 and 21, I think every win is... Like I said, just as good as the first. Um, and another point from this game is I have always hated Nicholas Batum. Um, that's a long story from the past involving a little kid screaming in my ear at Arco Arena when <laughs> Nicholas Batum was on uh, the Blazers. But, you know, the fact that he didn't go off, that Batum wasn't the one that uh, propelled Charlotte to victory was a little sweeter. So to that little kid who was probably now... You know, a middle-sized kid. A middle-sized kid. Um, yeah. Screw you. Um, and 
I think to close out this game, uh, this win brought us over the 21 game wins the threshold yeah, that uh, Nate Silver and all the fine folks at ESPN's 538, great website, go check it out, had predicted for the Kings to start the year. Maybe not so great then. Yeah, but they now have them at 37 wins as a current prediction, which I think is pretty attainable. Yeah, so Maybe a little high, but I, I, I like it. So let's blow that out of the water next. Yeah, let's let's aim for the, the stars. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was the, the week in review. Um, on to next week. We only have three games, which is, you know, pretty normal. Lately, we've been having four a week. Which is a, a daunting task around the association. So next week we have the final game of the homestand Monday today um, against the Portland Trailblazers, who are coming off you know it's their second night of a back to back. So hopefully we can sneak a win in on the old Blazers. Then Thursday at Charlotte and Saturday at Detroit. One of those weird scheduling things, Adam Silver. I don't know what what you're doing with the schedule. But we play Detroit and Charlotte a you know home and home within the same week. Um, I think three games. Three definitely winnable. I think three games. I'm going to say we are going to win all three. You know, uh, I, I do think they are winnable. I do think that we could go as well as 3-0 or as poorly as 0-3. You know, it's three games on the road. A great politician answer. A- anything's possible. But I, I, I'm going to say that we win... At least one. So I'm going to say we go one and two. One and two? All right, I'll go three and oh. Um, the, the last time that we faced Portland, as you may remember, was New Year's Day. Uh, it was Trash. A, it was a really tough game. We blew a, a, a lead, kind of led into overtime. Dame, Dame hit a huge shot to take us to overtime. And then in overtime, we couldn't we couldn't put the ball in the hoop. So um, and sometimes it's just as simple as that. Yeah, if you score more points, you're gonna win. Yeah, we didn't do that. Exactly. We didn't score more points. So tickets to this game are as low as thirteen bucks. So get out there and uh, send the Kings off because we are on a one, two, three, four, five, six game road trip that will not see the Kings back in the beautiful Golden One Center until we beat Atlanta on January thirtieth. So we this is the last game in. Sack for until until February, make it sound even scarier. Yeah. So uh, get out there, be loud, get out those cowbells. Since we previewed both the the Piston and the uh, Hornets last week, we are going to get right into it with what city, what song, where we name a city and we name a song. Um, yeah, I'll go first uh, for Portland, Oregon. Uh, terrible city. No, I have nothing against it. I just hate the traffic. It's um, real bad for traffic. Yeah, so I'm picking um, Everclear. The classic 90s, let's call it alt-rock, who knows. Uh, yeah, it's group, like post-grunge era. Correct. Out of Portland, I'm picking, you know, all their songs sound eerily the same. This is kind of the, if it don't, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it method of music. Um, I'm picking Santa Monica. Um... Yeah, like I said, all the songs sound the same, so this is the one I've you know heard the most on the radio. Yeah, it's always on. Uh, uh, go ahead. For me, I went with a little, something a little more modern. Mm. I went with Amine, Reel It In, because we're reeling in those wins. Mm. Good call. Okay, on to where we at first. Uh, Charlotte. 
Okay, I'm picking, you know, this This is a stretch as far as distance. It's three hours from Charlotte, but who cares? North Carolina. Nonetheless, I'm picking Freak Elite by Petey Pablo. Um, this is literally just a great song to get down to, you know, like, whatever you're doing. You're, you're, uh, you're having fun. You're, you're putting on Freak Elite. And, uh, I think with, uh, with De'Aaron Fox, this is, you know, his speed's kind of a Freak Elite in nature. So, that isn't why I picked it, but, you know, I just said it. So Very applicable. Now it's set in stone. Um, for me, going back to Good Charlotte, this time it's a cover of an 80s song, mm. If You Leave. You guys may know it if you look it up, but you probably <laughs> won't recognize it off of its name. Very recognizable song. This one is very applicable to the Hornets, who will be nothing if Kemba Walker leaves this summer and they don't find a trade for him. Mm. That is, a, that is a solid one. All right. And on to Detroit. Like we said, there's a ton of music, so I'm picking a band from New York. Um, I'm picking Kiss. I was, you know, one of the many that actually thought, I thought Paul Stanley was from Detroit or, you know, the Michigan area. Turns out he's from Queens. And we all know Gene Simmons is from Israel. So the connection, other than the song Detroit Rock City, which I'm not picking, is that in 1975... Kiss's, uh, you know, first, let's say, nationwide tour um, kicked off in the at the Cobo Hall in Detroit, which is now the convention center, I believe, because Albert Cobo, the former mayor of Detroit, was uh, a notorious racist, so they had to change that, um, obviously, and so now uh, every. Kiss, the Kiss is actually on their farewell tour. Big Kiss guy over here. Their farewell tour. They'll be back in yeah. like three or four years. Every uh, every Kiss tour now starts in Detroit because the original one did. So, long story short, that's why I'm picking Kiss. And I'm picking Love Gun. Why? It's a great song. But also, um, when he's hot, it's the buddy Love Gun. So, Kiss, Love Gun, Detroit, you're up. And for my pick for Detroit, I'm picking Madonna. And to explain why is our Michigan expert, Ben. <laughs> Alright, so if you take out your old trusty map of Michigan... Which is just your hand. Which is your hand. Uh, Madonna's from Bay City, which is uh, on Lake Huron. And it is, uh, if you take out, like we said, the old trusty map, it's on the crook of the thumb and the index finger. That is where Bay City's located. It's about an hour and a half north of Detroit. Um, and, yeah, go ahead. So, I'm picking La Isla Bonita, <laughs> a beautiful song, because when the Kings win games like this, it's like being in paradise. Per- that, is, that is perfect. So... Almost made me tear up. Yeah. So, uh, that's it for this week. Um, until next week, when we have a whole new set of cities and a whole new set of songs for you. And now on to a little bit of league news, which centers around the All-Star Game. Uh, which is in Charlotte, um, coming up in February. So the second round of voting just came in, and obviously the West, led by LeBron James, and the East, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, the Greek freak, leading the East in votes, and the surprise, uh, I think the two, well, not necessarily surprise, because it's a farewell tour, but D-Wade, yeah. Uh, leading, sorry, second 
as as far as guards go in the East. He's getting those Kobe Bryant votes. Yeah, those farewell tour votes. And uh, and then D. Rose. Um, second guards coming out of the West, which, good for him. Although, necessarily, the stats aren't, you know, immaculate, but they're good enough. Um, I think the real, the craziest thing for me is the amount of support, and I know it's, it's almost like a meme at this point, voting for Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. It's like something that people are doing. It's kind of like when Zaza had more votes than like the the the, the country he originated from Georgia. Georgia. The, the yes, the people. He had the, more votes than the, the population. population of Georgia. There Thank you, you. Very hard to articulate that. Um. So this is just something I looked up. Um. How Luca compares to other NBA greats as far as all-star voting. So, if you want to start with the GOAT, that being LeBron James, um, in LeBron's rookie year, he did not make the all-star game, although he averaged 25-5, and five, um, one of only four players to do that. So, the fact that he didn't make the all-star game was kind of hinged on the fact that the Cavs sucked that year and that every all-star reserve that season came from a team that was over 500 through 53 games when the All-Star game occurred. Then you could look at someone like Yao Ming, an international player who um, had some international uh, basketball experience before coming into the NBA. Uh, Very similar, because Yao was second in the Western Conference in voting his rookie year, 2002-2003. He did make the All-Star game, and again, the stats, they weren't immaculate. 13, 8 boards, 2 blocks. But it was more of the, uh, this was the NBA 2.0. Now we're at the NBA 3.0. This was kind of, uh, let's sell some jerseys by putting uh, putting Yao in the All-Star game. Although he, he was... He also got the entirety of China to vote. Yeah, exactly. He was, and he, he, he did prove to be a, a very dominant player. One of the only players to be in the All-Star game every year of his career. Um, if you want to look at someone like Larry Bird, kind of an interesting... Um, you know, all-star uh, in the rookie year, uh, 79-80, all the way back. Um, like I said, was an all-star in in, uh, in his rookie season, averaging uh, very similar to Luke. Luke is averaging, I believe, 19.9 points right now. Larry Bird was at, actually, that might have gone up with today's game. Um, Larry Bird was averaging 19.3, but he wasn't, you know, the uh, internet sensation as there was no such thing. For the fan voting, he was 12th in the Eastern Conference. All that lends to the fact that this is kind of uh, uncharted territory. The last all-star starter, uh, rookie all-star starter, was Yao. Um, it seems like there's about one one a decade. 1990, the 90s had two, Grant Hill and Shaq. Uh, the 80s had two, with Jordan and... Uh, Isaiah Thomas, but you know, there was one in the 70s, the 60s, that's not even basketball at that point. Seems like there's one or two um, each each decade, so it's been a while since uh, a rookie has made um, even the All-Star game itself. Blake, in 2010-2011, was the last rookie to make an All-Star game, and he was a reserve. So I think what Luka is doing is incredible. Am I happy with Bagley's production lately since the injury? Yes, I think 
he the decision making, you know, who knows, he's a rookie, can't really chalk that up to, you know, future success. But I think just the hustle, the drive, the crashing the glass, the the mentality of I am great, I can put the ball on the floor, I can make the half hook, I can make the free throw in crunch time. I think that mentality is there. And so all of this is going on to say that in five years, when neither of the, the players, Luka Doncic or Marvin Bagley, um, has won an NBA championship because the Warriors eight-peated, um, I, and they're both in an all-star game, I think this isn't going to look so crazy um, from a uh, disparity in the rookie year production. So that's my league news. Uh, on to team news where rumors swirled for about 24 hours with the Kings being linked to Inez Cantor in trade rumors. Uh, this was up until Inez Cantor ate seven burgers and became ill. <laughs> so that was a big trade rumor. Um, they were talking. There were talks about trading for Inez to bolster some of our center production, not really offensively, mainly defensively and rebounding the two areas that Willie is very inconsistent with as well as rumors if this were to go through to uh, uh, of shipping Willie off in maybe a deal for Otto Porter Jr which we had heard grumblings of earlier in the season so uh those ultimately have broken down but keep Inez Cantor in the mind as the Knicks are still looking to actively move him Mm-hmm. Um, Among other people too. With with this, uh, I think the Knicks, the Knicks are really they're going all in for Zion. They're blowing that up. Yeah. Ever I mean, since they saw Duke play at the Garden, and they were just like, "This could be a nightly occurrence." Mm-hmm. The, the Knicks are terrible, and they yeah. and they have been terrible. They they're they're really they really have been bad. Um, Kevin Knox has been underperforming from what everybody thought he would do out of summer summer league. Uh, Frankie Smokes, Frank Nicolina, he uh, has also just underperformed since he got into the league, but they kind of knew he was going to be a project. And the rest of that team is just kind of old and a little washed. So I think going... And then you have, yeah, you have like players like Tim Hardaway Jr. underperforming yeah. from last year. Courtney Lee on an awful contract. You got Porzingis who is... Injured. He's probably not, not going to play. They'll sit him the rest of the year. Um, so, yeah, I think... So, yeah, bad times for the Knicks. Yeah, not a good time to be a Knicks fan. But, uh, talking about trades, here's a new segment for you. I had a better deal two days ago, colon, the Vladi story. This is where we discuss hypothetical trades that the Kings may entail as we get, approach this uh, trade deadline, which comes up right before the All-Star break next month. So, to come up with these trades, uh, I, I like to play around with ESPN's trade machine. A nice feature which makes sure that the trades are feasible and won't go over cap space. Um, so, the first trade that I came up with was J.R. Smith for Zebo, one for one. For the, the Cavs, it gives them an expiring this summer. And it takes J.R. to a place where he'd actually play some backup minutes. Uh, what what did you think of this one? How much Jr. making? Fourteen million this year Do and it. next year. Do it. So it's 
A total of $28 million over two years. Perfect. But he has an opt-in for next year. As someone who has the biggest love-hate relationship with J.R. Smith, I think watching, watching J.R. Smith is so fun. It's like, there's, I don't know. It's one of those players where it's not even, it's more than a, a video game type of player. It's like someone that were, if, if you had the, if you had, if my mind had the body of like a 6'5 black guy with tatted out in the NBA, that's how I would play basketball. And so, go for it. Why not? Plus, what does Zebo add in the locker room that someone like Shumpert does? You know, or, you know I don't Doesn't. know. Doesn't. Does yeah, not. I Correct. agree. I agree. And it'd Do be it. interesting to link up Shumpert and, uh, and JR again in the locker room. Uh, anyway, next up is a bit more hypothetical. We have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Chris Stapps Porzingis uh, for Zach Randolph and Amon Shumpert. You know, this one might come off the fact that the Knicks recently aren't as high on Chris Stapps because of that knee injury and the fact that his trainer is actually the most ridiculous person in history. <laughs> so if you want to, a good laugh, go look that up. Uh, anyway, this this one, what, what are your feelings? Okay, I'm going to say no, but it's a 51% no. And here's why it's a 49% yes. If Chris Epps comes back anywhere close to his former self, he's a generational talent. Mm-hmm. I love Tim Hardaway Jr., mm-hmm. although he's been underperforming. And I think we got money to blow. The Chris Epps' contract isn't even that crazy at all. No, it's, it's it's the Tim Hardaway he's, contract. He's on his that, rookie yeah, year. Yeah, correct. It's the so. Tim Hardaway contract that's out of control. One thing to look at about this Chris Stapps trade is that all of Chris Stapps' career injuries have been to the same leg, which may ha- indicate something like a running mechanics thing that he's going to need to change, like Russell Russell Westbrook did a few years back after he did his knee. So that'll be something to watch for the future for you Knicks fans. And uh, let me also add that as of right now, I don't. I want to see. I want to let Shumpert uh, make his own decision about staying here, about mm-hmm. playing here long term, because if he is all in, I think I am all in. I agree. I agree. Um, now let's get to some of the the longer shot trades. Um, here's here's a couple ideas for Kyrie. First one is uh, Shumpert, Bielitsa, Buddy Heald for Kyrie. No. Um, chiefly because, good word, chiefly. Um, I think, as it's uh, seemed apparent as of late, Kyrie's problem with Boston is that, which is kind of funny from him coming from Cleveland, is the experience of the Celtics. He, he's this lack of, I don't know if you want to call it help, maturity and crunch time, or whatever he wants to call it, is I think he would not be happy in Sacramento for a couple reasons. I think we are, obviously, we are well behind the Danny Ainge machine that he has created as far as production, playoffs, all of that. And I don't see Kyrie putting us, it might put us in the playoffs, but not anywhere, you know, we're still losing to Golden State in four. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get rid of Buddy Heald. And I, this is hard for me to say, but I want to see what Buddy Heald can do on this team for a long time. 
Bialica, love the guy. He can leave in whatever fashion he wants to. Shumpert, that's another thing. I would like to see him stay. I just don't see Kyrie working with any of the other players we have. I mean, are we going to put... we? You know, we had the log jam of centers, then we have the log jam of guards. It's just kind of, who knows? Kyrie Irving in the, you know, the Kings purple in those Sacktown city jerseys would be really crazy for one season. Even crazier than the, the Rondo experiment was. I just don't see that, you know, yielding any long-term success. So I'm going to say no. Um, a counterpoint to your young guys thing is that the Kings are the most clutch team in the last two seasons, but I do agree he doesn't want to play with a lot of the youth. I mean, he doesn't mind it, but he, he'd be happier with a more veteran team. Which um, is what he left in Cleveland. Well, yeah, but they, that team's not going anywhere now. It, so, but it was. I think Kyrie leaving was the start to that. I don't know. It's anyway. Just, let's just chalk it up to irony. Yeah. Uh, now... This was one that was floated around a few times. Zach Randolph and Ben McLemore for Inez Cantor. Do it. And Ben McLemore's leaving? I'm in. Well, and you're missing the best part. And a Knicks second round pick. Oh, deal. So. Um, yeah. Anything that gets Ben McLemore, you know, out of sack, whether that's to, to Stockton mm-hmm. or anywhere else, everyone's like, this dude had a 20-point game. And? That's 20-point game and nothing. So, and Zebo, like we said, locker room presence, dude's in a suit every night. Who knows? Like we said, dude's a $15 million babysitter. Um, his hourly rate's through the roof. Um, yeah, getting rid of of that of those two, taking on Inez Cantor, sure thing. We got some good burger spots in sack. Oh, yeah. Um, Definitely. Willie's, so, yeah. hit it up. Squeeze in. Hit it up. So uh, Nationwide, rest in peace. That place was tight. Susie Burger, underrated. Yeah, it is. Um, here, Kind of expensive. Here's man. the question. Who says no on this trade? Like, if Vladi would call James Dolan himself, mm. who says no? I think... Probably James Nolan, because th- he's dumb as hell. Yeah, well, yeah, he doesn't have the best track record. I just... I don't know. I, I'm still f- fixated on getting rid of Macklemore. Yeah, alright, anyway, next up, uh, so this is one that we've heard also a bit about, uh, Shumpert, Kufus, and Frank, again, mm-hmm. same package. Kufus, for, I, don't, I don't know if I can let go of Kufus. For Otto Porter Jr., okay. and if you can't let go of Kufus, swap in Willie Cauley-Stein. Just because, to, you know, add some fun to the segment, I'm gonna say yes. Because I think, one... Kufus had that start to the season where the plus-minus is off the charts and he gives you the consistency every night. But now he doesn't really play. Patented half-hooks. It's not falling. And He's just falling behind the three other big men on the roster who've correct. really started to emerge as night-to-night guys. Frank, I would love to see um, Yogi surpass him in minutes tenfold. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with dealing Frank. And Shumpert, I think, like I said... This dude is... That's a toss-up. I, I want him here. If he wants to be here, and it looks like he does, I 100% want him here. Um, but I think Otto Porter Jr. would add a piece to this team, a piece to resistance. I think it would it would be the a, a piece to this team that could add those, I wouldn't say crunch time wins, but it's just another option. 
And he fills a big hole that we agree. A, a true three, which is the biggest thing that we're missing aside from somebody that we can rely on in the last three minutes of a game. Like Rudy Gay. Yeah, not this guy. So let's. Uh, this one is another one. Who do you think would say no in this? Vladi or Ernie Grunfeld, the GM of the Washington Wizards? Who do you think says no? Um, just because I want to give an answer and not say neither, I'm, I'm going to say Vladi. Because I think he's happy with Shumpert's production. I don't think he wants to get rid of Kufis for some reason. Or or even Willie. I don't That's think true. E- either version of this trade. And I think... With Frank, it's one of those things where he could give him up, but, you know, it's it's Vladi's pick, you know? I've kind of noticed Vladi's very hesitant to make in-season trades. Correct. Except for Bug. That's the only one that's really happened in his tenure. Um, he, he'll, he'll pull the trigger when it's outside of the regular season, but he really hasn't made that many in-season trades. It's more of, like, the fact that, like, he doesn't want to screw up, I think. Chemistry. Which is, yeah. which is like... I'm okay with that, actually. Yeah. yeah, so the last two are a bit more of a long shot uh, kind of deals. The first one, we have C.J. McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers who has expressed his dissent with the team and his, his role for a, a package deal including Zebo, Shumpert, Harry Giles, and Scow. Um, this is another tough one. I, I like C.J. McCollum. Dude's a lights-out shooter. Natural born killer, mm-hmm. assassin from three, but I think I'm gonna say no because again I found, sound like a broken record with Shumpert, but so let's add something else. I like what I've seen out of Harry Giles in the past. Let's just say calendar year of two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think this dude is has an insanely high basketball IQ. Yeah. I think this guy can be extremely consistent once he gets consistent minutes. And I think he can do everything on the court. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. His defense has come through leaps and bounds this week. I agreed. I think he can offensive and defensive rebound. Mm-hmm. And I'm. this is one of those things where it's too quick to give up on him. Yeah. I think he... I don't know if he has superstar potential, but this... He has all-star potential. Yeah, and I, I, I included him in this trade as somebody that would be the hardest guy to give up. Correct. So that's kind of what I thought. Finally, the last long shot, arguably the third best player in the league right now, Anthony Davis, for a deal including Bogdan, Marvin Bagley, and De'Aaron Fox. This one is, is tough because you want to say yes on paper because you get Anthony Davis, but then you give up. You're arguably your three biggest assets outside of Buddy Heald. And there's no guarantee mm-hmm. that Anthony Davis stays with the team, mm-hmm. goes, to down, get, goes down to L.A. Um, he does have two player options for the next two years. Mm-hmm. But, again, he, he is owed a big payday this offseason if he stays with the Pelicans and opts out. If he is traded, most likely he'd probably opt in for at least one of the years. Yeah. So, um, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I'm going to say no because you kind of, other than giving away your kind of your core group of players, is are you going to have Anthony Davis run the point? I mean, you know, 
it's he, he can't really be that Jokic type of point center. And honestly, this season I don't I don't exactly enjoy watching him as much as I have in previous seasons. Um, he's, he got bodied by Carl Anthony Towns the other day, which I was very surprising. Here's here's a hypothetical for you. I'm gonna say no. All right. Well, here's here's a purely hypothetical. Say the Kings didn't draft Bagley. They picked, they picked Luca like a lot of people expected. Do it. Trade. Um, would you trade Bogdan, De'Aaron, and uh, Buddy Healed if we had Luca on this team? Mm, that's. I would, then I, would lean, that prim- I would lean more towards him. yes. All right. Yeah. Well, that that wraps up Vladi's GM corner for this week. If any new trades come across our desk next week, we'll, you'll be the first to hear about them. So listen in, tune in every week. Uh, if you guys have any prospective trades, email us at kingsinthenorthpod at gmail.com or hit, up, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. We're active on all the socials. Yeah. Every media outlet's covered. All right, on to the final segment. And this is the final segment because we have canned Dirty Dan. Dude, he doesn't care about his job. Shows up to work hungover. I've seen him drunk at work multiple times. His workstation is a mess. And he's currently skiing right now, even though he called in sick. We saw that on his social media. So, Dirty Dan's hot take. That's been tossed so far into the dumpster. You can't even see... The piece of paper can't even see the light of day anymore. So, the final uh, segment will now be Conspiracy Corner, something that's near and dear to my heart because I came up with the name. This week's conspiracy uh, centers around the Dallas Mavericks and their owner, uh, billionaire, philanthropist, could be Batman, Mark Cuban. Basically, the crux of this argument. From some technology that he's invested in through Shark Tank, he uh, Mark Cuban has now the ability... To uh, basically cryogenically freeze some DNA, and uh, in a certain amount of time, clone said DNA. Well, you know, not too far fetched. So here's what happened: they get Dirk. Twenty years later, they get some other player called the Wonder Boy. How does this happen? How does this happen? Luka Doncic is a test tube child of the DNA of Dirk Nowitzki. So, it's definitely true. The dude shooting lights out um, under two minutes has the best effective uh, field goal percentage under two minutes in the NBA this year. It has since gone down, but let's at the time of this recording, it was at 77%. And the dude shooting over 50% under two minutes from three. Um, Close to perfect on three. Correct. Um, so, why? how has this happened? Because the dude's a clone of Dirk, who single-handedly beat the Miami Super Team. Although, did have Peja. They did. So, that's this week's King's Kingspiracy Corner. Luka Doncic, he's not that special. He's just a clone of Dirk. Um, there it is. It's true. You can look it up. Until next time, uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, any way that you can get a hold of us. Call us. Text us. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. If you want to page me, that's okay too. 
So that's it for this week. Until next time. Thanks for listening and go Kings.